Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. One of the beautiful things about the Christian life is that we can actually come to Jesus with our mess. With our messy lives, anytime, anywhere. And we can know that he hears us and he receives us and he responds to us. And that is amazing to know that. One of the most meaningful ways we can come to Jesus is actually through a prayerful engagement with the scriptures. Letting the Holy Spirit meet us through these divinely inspired stories and then lead us into an encounter with the Lord. And it's actually a very important way that we as followers of Jesus or we as apprentices of the master, it's one of the very important ways that we learn to meet with Jesus through a prayerful engagement with the scripture. And this morning, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do just that. Last week was full on teaching for probably way too long. And this week, I want to offer you something a little more reflective and meditative. And I do encourage you to sort of settle in as we're invited into the gospel story today. Because we can come to Jesus with our messy lives, with our confusion, with our aches and our pains, with the things that we carry close that no one knows, with our disappointment, with our fatigue. And we can know that he hears us and receives us and responds to us. And so sit comfortably with an open heart, open mind this morning as we enter into the gospel story from Luke chapter 5. I just invite you to quiet in your heart and mind for a moment. Invite the Holy Spirit to guide us and then hear the gospel. Let's just, for a moment, just to be quiet. Holy Spirit, today we come to this beautiful story of Jesus asking you to meet us today. We come with our mess. We come with our confusion, with our hurt or our pain, and we are ready to receive. Amen. Let's hear the story. I invite you to just close your eyes and listen or hold your hands open, whatever posture of receptivity, and receive this story from Luke chapter 5 starting verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more 
so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Just let that story sit with you for just a moment, and then we're going to hear it one more time before we walk through it more slowly. I invite you to just close your eyes. And once again, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. In this story, we witness a life-changing encounter between Jesus and a very desperate man. Can we see ourselves in this story? Let's go back through the encounter, and we want to take some time to ask some personal questions as we hear this story again. So first, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. As we enter into this story today, the first question is this, what is my crippling leprosy? In other words, what is my deepest shame? What is my sharpest pain? What is your most desperate area of need? Now the truth is, naming that need in your life and heart, putting your finger on that deepest shame, that sharpest pain can be very difficult to do. For some of us, identifying what cripples us might be something we sit and think, I'm not sure I have an answer for that. It's hard work, actually, to uncover what is our greatest need. For others of us, just admitting to it is an act of great pain and vulnerability. Some of us, our crippling leprosy feels so painfully obvious, so glaring, that we already know what it is. You already identified it. You know exactly what it is, your deepest area of shame, the thing you carry with you. In fact, some of you think it's so glaring that everyone in the room knows it too which may be true, but is probably not. But that's how it feels to us. In the case of this man covered in leprosy, he knew his need, didn't he? He also knew that 
everybody else could see it too. It was a problem that was obvious for anyone who saw him. He was living with a defiling skin disease that was not only ravaging his body in some way, but the effects of that had been catastrophic, cutting him off from family, cutting him off from work, cutting him off from worship, from life itself, keeping him at a distance. There was very specific health regulations that had been set out in God's covenant instructions, and this man was living a life of isolation, ostracized, because of what he was suffering with. We don't know how long he'd been suffering with it, but we know that his plight was significant and obvious. And so as we hear this story today, the question is, what about you? What about me? Can we see ourselves in this man? What is it that covers us. An area of pain or shame that feels like it's all over you. Maybe it's something deeply hidden that no one else knows about. Maybe it's something only a few are aware of, or as I said, maybe it's obvious, but what is it? Obviously, I'm not asking you to say this out loud, I'm asking you, though, to identify it in your heart, in your mind, even right now. Can you say what it is that would be your deepest area of need or shame or struggle or pain, ache, confusion, your heart's cry, your place of desolation, that which you feel most desperate about? Maybe it's physical. Maybe you, like this man, are facing some sort of diagnosis or carrying some sort of illness. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's some deep struggle between you and a child or you and a spouse, you and a friend, you and a brother. Maybe it is a struggle that is mental. There is a crippling anxiety or a dark depression or a disorder that you live with. Or maybe it's in the area of vocation where it feels like you just can't figure out what you're supposed to do and be. Can we name that? That's the opening question. What is your crippling leprosy? Can you name it? Let's keep going in the story. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. As we articulate our need, we can then ask, what's our burning question? What is it that we want to say, to ask? to beg for? What would be coming from my mouth and my heart if I were there falling down before Jesus? What would be my burning question? This man makes a very bold statement here. And yet there's something in the way he says it that suggests he's wondering 
not about Jesus' power, but about Jesus' willingness. He seems to believe that Jesus could do it, but maybe wonders if Jesus cares. Wondered if he, a leprous outcast, mattered at all. If you've been isolated, ostracized, cast out, if you, everywhere you had to go, had to shout that you were unclean to warn people who scattered out of your way, after a while, you'd begin to wonder, does anyone care? Do I matter anymore? And so perhaps he was wondering, would Jesus even take interest in me? What's your burning question? Do you wonder if Jesus is willing? Being able to name that ache, that shame, that pain, and then saying, but Jesus, do you see me? Do you see this mess? Do you care? Please, please, Jesus, will you just do something with my life, my messy life? I encourage you to sit for a moment and ask, what is my question? What do I want to cry out to Jesus? And I encourage you not to censor yourself. Because some of you, good little Christians, think, oh, I'd never say that. I encourage you in your heart of hearts to get honest. What is your heart's cry? What is your burning question? It might be incoherent. It might be angry. It might sound irreverent or questionable. But if we're taught anything through the scriptures and the Psalms in particular, we are called to voice our pain. So what is your question? from your place of pain. I want to invite you just to sit with that for a moment. And then closing your eyes, I want you to imagine yourself on the ground in front of Jesus. See yourself there now. And in your imagination, ask your question. Speak your heart. Tell Jesus what hurts and what you need. Well, what happens next? Verse 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. As you ask your burning question, how does Jesus respond to you? What does he do? What does he say? What Jesus did here is something so astonishing 
There's a man before him covered in leprosy. We don't know the exact state of this man's body, whether he was disfigured, whether he was covered in something, but he was considered a man defiled, uncleaned, out of contact. And he'd been instructed very strictly by the law and then reinforced by his culture to stay away. This was a man in every way untouched. And Jesus does the thing that no one would have expected. He reaches out his hand and he touches the man. This is so amazing. This must have ministered to this man in such a powerful way. This man would have been considered repulsive to those around him in a way that probably few of us can fully grasp. The kind of revulsion or pull away that he would have experienced from so many people. This man receives a touch from Jesus. How that would have ministered to him, I cannot imagine. But more than that, according to all the very detailed instructions which I encourage you to read about defiling skin diseases in Leviticus 13 and 14, I do encourage you to read that. Jesus would have made himself unclean by touching this man. Or should I say, anyone other than Jesus would have. Because he reaches out his hand and touches this man. And that touch changed everything. My question for you today is, what does that look like for you? What would it look like for Jesus holy Jesus, to reach out and to touch you in your places of greatest shame, sharpest pain. Those places where you feel just so discouraged and so helpless. What would it look like for Jesus to reach out and touch you there? The places where you just want to hide, give up, Jesus reaches out his hand and touches. Jesus was not repulsed by this man's uncleanliness and disease. And we need to hear this, some of us very clearly, that Jesus is not repulsed by you. Jesus is not repulsed by you. In whatever state you are, with whatever you're struggling with, And it's not like Jesus reaches out and sort of like cringes. Oh, I'm going to show them love. There's a fearlessness as the holiness of Jesus touches us. Some of you really need to hear this. Jesus is not repulsed by you. Not repulsed by your need. Not even repulsed by your sin, quite frankly, because he has taken care of it. Last week, remember when Simon realizes when the nets are breaking and the boats are sinking with all the fish, he realizes who Jesus is. And at that moment, holy Jesus, unholy Simon, and he thinks, go away from me. He thinks the holiness of Jesus means that he would want to step away from Simon. Remember that? Push away. Get away from me, Lord. I'm an unclean man, he says. I'm a a sinful man. Remember how Jesus... Instead of being repulsed or repelled 
by Simon. What does Jesus do? He says, don't be afraid, Simon. I've got big plans for you. Come follow me. Jesus sees our deepest shame. He knows it. He sees our sharpest pain. And he reaches out his hand and he touches us. He touches you. And what does he say when he touches you? In your mind's eye. As you see Jesus reaching out to touch you, what does he say? And what happens when he does? You know, in this man's case, Jesus healed him in an instant. Immediately the leprosy left him. And what a powerful testimony to who we're dealing with. The authority, the holiness of Jesus. His goodness, his power, his desire. That this holy man made this man whole. But for some of us, let's be honest, we're frustrated by this story because we don't see any immediately happening in our lives. Right? Some of us are frustrated when we read a story like this because we think, well, how many times have I been coming to Jesus and falling down and confessing my need and acknowledging my deepest pain and shame and crying out for Jesus? If you are willing, you can make me clean. If you are willing, you can fix my brother. If you're, you can fix me. If you are willing, you can do what you promised to do. And yet there's no instant fix. And we keep crying out for healing or for relief or for help. So what does it mean for Jesus to touch us when the answer isn't what we'd hope for. What does it mean for us to be touched by Jesus, but to still struggle with pain, or to still carry ache, or to still have that relationship unresolved, or our bodies decaying? What then? And I invite you, particularly those of you who find yourself frustrated even with this story in your place of pain, frustrated at what feels like the slowness of Jesus to respond. I invite you even now to close your eyes. Everyone, close your eyes. I invite you to take that to Jesus even now and express that to him. Tell him how you feel. And you long for his healing to be washed over this area or to, to, to somehow remedy or reconcile this relationship. And you are frustrated by how slow it is or how it doesn't feel like things are changing. I encourage you to take a moment and express that to Jesus now. When we see this story of immediate healing and the change that took place in this leper's life, we receive it as a witness to who Jesus is. That this Jesus can heal. That this Jesus has power. That Jesus is good. But also that Jesus has this intention for all. That in this story, we see in some sense a microcosm or a little metaphor or a seed of what's coming for everyone. 
what Jesus did for this one leper, he will do for all of us. Sometimes in an instant. And there are those of us who we can testify to the ways the Lord has worked in miraculous ways and startling ways and things have changed in our lives and in seemingly no time at all. And we, can, we know it's the hand of the Lord. And we can bear witness to that. But there are many of us who can also still testify that though Jesus has touched us in profound ways and led us to freedom and taken away shame, has forgiven us of our sin and set us on our feet and moved us into new relationships and is working in our lives in profound ways, we still experience hurt and ache. There are places where there hasn't been healing or there isn't relief, at least not in the ways we'd hoped would come. And somehow in the midst of that, receiving assurance of Jesus' love and care, his presence to walk with us, given to us by the Holy Spirit, entering even into the darkness of our struggle, but we are still waiting and waiting and waiting for the full wholeness that he has promised will come. Some of us will be waiting until the day of our resurrection. That is the truth. But the promise is still sure. Some of us will not see the full effects of Jesus' cleansing in our lifetime. We will not see the full reconciliation of relationships. We won't see things all made right before we ourselves are taken by our own death. But we are assured through the death and resurrection of Jesus through the life and ministry, through even stories like this, that Jesus has the power to heal, to cleanse, to make whole. And he has touched us in specific ways and more broadly through his life, death, and resurrection. His holiness has now been brought into our lives and he has brought wholeness and he is bringing wholeness to us and to the world. And so I don't know where you find yourself today, But as you imagine, as you witness the touching hand of Jesus, what has happened in your life and what is happening now? Because we know this, Jesus' touch cleanses. His touch heals. His touch makes us whole, even if the fullness of that is not yet realized in the here and now. Now for the finish. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. There's one final question in response to the story, and it is this. What is Jesus asking you to do in response to his cleansing, in response to his touch? What is he asking you to do? We see in here, this man is called to obedience. He's called to follow the instructions that his people were already given in Leviticus to go and submit to, if you read it in Leviticus 14, which I think you should, a many weeks long detailed process of being poked and prodded and examined and then shaved and washed and set aside to wait for a while for the priest to then come along a week later and take a look again to poke and prod and, I don't know, maybe shave him again. Who knows? But all in a process of then pronouncing he is clean. 
Jesus asked this man to do this. What is Jesus asking you to do in response to his touch in your life? He asked this man to do this, it seems, for two reasons. For the sake of witness and for the sake of something that's obvious if you know the culture but may not stand out to you, and that is the sake of community. Let's start with community first. Remember what has been true about this man's life as a result of this skin disease, of this leprosy. He's been cut off, isolated, deemed unclean. This very important process, offering sacrifices, being looked at and all the, all the things, set aside, washed, shaved, you know, all, all, uh, closely examining him. This is an important process that restores this man to his family, to his worshiping life that when he comes out of this process and is declared clean, he can walk back into a full covenant life with his family, with his tribe, worshiping Yahweh, being part of all that is happening, fully restored. And that is so, so significant. If he had just sort of snuck in the back room, Jesus cleansed me. Well, yeah, he'd have been clean, but there'd always been that suspicion. What's under that robe? Did anyone check? But because he'd been through that process, he was declared fully clean and he would have been restored. And Jesus wants him restored. Wants him restored to his community. But the second and more obvious one, because Jesus says it, is is the witness piece, the testimony piece. Think about it. Week after week, as these priests come who were going to go through the process of determining whether he's clean or not, what are they doing? How did this happen? You had leprosy this morning and you don't have it now, right? You have the best complexion we've ever seen, you know? Wow, what is your skin routine? No, you couldn't have had leprosy this morning. We'd know, right? And, and, And think about it. Week after week, every time he goes through this process of the priest, they're saying, how did this happen? Jesus, you say? What did he do? He touched you? How did this happen? You know, you can just see them going, what is going on here? Because you see, these different processes that they had in place, they didn't fix people who were unclean. You understand? It's not like the lepers came and if they put them through a bit of a ritual, then they would be cleansed. That's not how it worked. Their process of determining clean or unclean weren't a process of making someone clean who was unclean. And so they would have been constantly confronted with the reality that this person had been made clean by Jesus. And they're just verifying it through their process that Moses Moses had set up. And so every time this man is there, he's bearing witness to Jesus, to these priests. How even these purity laws how they had always pointed forward. They in and of themselves could not cleanse a person, but they were pointing forward in some way to the one coming who would. And now, right in the act of using these purity laws and these ritual cleansings, right in the very act of using them, they're bearing witness to the one who has come who makes us clean, who makes us pure, who makes us whole, who heals us. And these priests are receiving this witness every time this man shows up. Isn't that beautiful? And then he gets to go home, of course. 
And what will he be talking about for the rest of his life? The question is for us, what does Jesus want you to do in response to his touch? In response to his presence? In response to his work? And how will your obedience to Jesus foster community and bear witness to Jesus as you go? How will you respond? How will I respond to Jesus? The rest of the story, of course, tells us that this is not news that could be kept quiet. The healing power of Jesus, the one who sees and touches and heals. This is a holiness that is spreading. And as we see all through the Gospels, it's like, whereas everyone had assumed an unclean person then contaminates the clean, Jesus flips this all on its head. And the cleanliness of Jesus is now spreading. And those who are unclean, those who are defiled, those who are covered in shame, those who have been rejected, all of them suddenly are finding this Jesus who is present is overturning their very lives, inviting them in and calling them to follow him. And in this story, as we conclude today, we do see the gospel, don't we? In some ways, this little story is the story of our lives, the story of the good news of Jesus, that as people recognize their need for the Savior, as they see him and they fall down and they ask him, do something for us, the touch of Jesus changes their lives, restores them to community, makes them whole. And that's the story that we tell. Jesus came into our world, into our lives. We who were covered by shame and sin and his wholeness, and his holiness transformed everything. And we walk now as touched people, bearing witness to the one who has come to bring wholeness to the world. What a beautiful story we've been brought into. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.